Welcome to the Spiritually Expressed Human, a show where being spiritual means unleashing the badass within, and being human means listening to your heart's voice instead of the one in your head. Together, Susan will help you navigate the murky waters of life's emotional and spiritual experiences, those that likely caused you to live by someone else's directions, and find your true north so that you can become the spiritually expressed badass you are meant to be. Now here's your host, Susan Desenzi. Welcome back to another episode of The Spiritually Expressed Human. This is a shift and a new change, as you know, from just the last couple of episodes. And again, one of the reasons that I decided to shift the podcast name and a bit of the format was really because, look, you know, especially with what we're going on you know, and dealing with in the world today with COVID-19, this is absolutely something that has given all of us pause to really go within and reflect on our lives and who we are and how we show up in the world. And it dawned on me, having, you know, been a therapist for 23, four years now, that we really struggle to be the authentic selves that we know is inside. There's that something missing. And, and I call that kind of that spiritual flavor, that something. And yet we are taught to live certain ways and, and kind of behave in certain ways. And so I have an amazing guest in the house today. Her name is Parshel Tashi. And you know I'll welcome her on first, and then I'll go into a little bit of her background. One of the reasons that I wanted to bring Parshel on, though, is she has an unbelievable story that spans 28 years of being very entrenched in a religious faith, that then she found herself questioning, and, and, and she'll explain, but it wasn't so much the faith, it was that she didn't feel authentically herself. And the whole idea behind the spiritually expressed human is now we can come together, me and my guests, you and I as, as, as your host and, and with you as my audience, and really learn how to navigate through the human experiences while knowing that there is that spiritual part of us that is screaming for release. So welcome to the show, Parshel. Thank you so much for being here. I'm so excited about our conversation today. Me too. I've been waiting for this. Thanks, Susan. Yeah, no problem. All right, so let me tell you a little bit about Parshel. Now, Parshel is a former high school teach math teacher. Sorry, um, you know, I just said teacher. And at first, I applaud you for that. And thank you so much for doing what you've done for so long. A former high school math teacher who is now an entrepreneur and video producer for the past 10 years. She owns a production company called Fresh Level. And she has built up over that time, multiple locations of operations, producing hundreds of videos nationally and internationally, which is the coolest thing, and has worked for organizations like, check this out, SeaWorld, Bush Gardens, the Wharton School, are you serious, the Wharton School, and Spectrum, just to name a few. It wasn't until she ended that 28-year-long devoted relationship with her church that Parshall really began to discover who she really is. And that's the whole purpose of the new shift in this podcast. Now, this experience of freedom completely transformed her life and the way she serves others today. Perchelle believes that self-awareness is what makes the grueling process of creating video 10 times more effective, profitable, 
and enjoyable, no matter the size of your business. As a creator and instructor of My Video Playtime, Parshel believes that everything comes full circle because she teaches kids and adults the basics of making videos. Now her students grow in confidence, build a relevant skill set, and boost their creativity. Like, what a background. I mean, not just the church, but your expertise in kind of, what would you say, videography? Is that how you would say it? I would say video production. Video production. Okay, perfect. Well, what's the difference between like a videographer and production then? So a videographer, you know, is is the one who's usually holding the camera. So to be a producer, it's more about your vision and getting sort of the people and the right people that you trust to help you bring that vision about. So it's just a different role of leadership in the process of making videos. Oh, yeah, cool. All right. So thank you for that distinction. See, I, I love learning new things every day. So one of the things that I would love to understand is kind of take me through that 28-year journey. Share with me kind of like what you grew up with and what were questions for you that you found, I guess, challenging a little bit of your, of your story with that. Yeah, sure. So I grew up in, in, a, in a Black church. It was a Methodist church. And there, at least in terms of my family involvement, this was a several times a week activity, if okay. you will. Um, so it wasn't just that we showed up on just Sunday, like most families. No, we were there Wednesday night, Thursday night, and you know sometimes on the weekend for whatever community thing might have been going on. Mm-hmm. We were really involved, and that's just uh, was part of your routine. It was part of your life. So I literally grew up in that environment. Uh, we were very dedicated in that respect, and usually if there was something going on, you could count on our family to be one of those families listed as, you know, the contributors, the people who are showing up or whatever. So that was essentially my life. And it was probably around 13 when I actually started asking questions. And the reason I started asking questions was because, you know, after a while of, you know, sitting around and not really paying attention to the sermons, you actually start paying attention, right? <laughs> right yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and, and by that time that I started paying attention, I didn't really understand what was going on at all. A lot of the words I felt were too big and it was really, it frustrated me a lot because when the time came to say, all right, who wants to be, who wants to be saved? Who wants to come up into the altar at the end of service, right? To give their life to Christ where this was typical in the Christian tradition. And at that moment, when these moments would happen after every sermon, I would sit there and just, that's when the conversation would start in my head. Right, because I knew that there was a, there was something that I was supposed to answer, something that I knew that was calling me to an ex- extent, but I never went up. In fact, I was too, I, I, in some cases, too nervous. But then, in that nervousness, Sunday after Sunday, I started to ask the question of why? Why do I need to make this decision in front of all these people? Ah, mm-hmm. and so um, at that point, that's kind of what actually started me on doing my own research and investigating, like well, what is he talking about? You know, if I can figure it out on my own, I won't have to go up in front of all these people. That was literally the, <laughs> the motivation. The yeah, yeah. No, okay. <laughs> of, yeah. of like, like figuring out uh, and jump, jumping into some of these questions. And so, you know, the family would be in another room or go out for, you know, whatever, and I'd be at home by myself and I just would scravish through books, you know, Bible story books, whatever I could find just to help to make sense of something as to what it meant to be saved. And so I came across something that just said, like, oh, believe in Jesus Christ and acknowledge him and all this type of stuff. I said, okay, I guess I can do that. And I'm saved now, right? 
And that was pretty much like the start of that. And then it just, you know, just something that just really drove me as a, as a question and a conversation in my, you know, internal dialogue, you know? So it started there. And then once I hit about 16, 17, I got invited to a friend's church from high school. And mm-hmm. this church was completely different from anything that I'd ever seen before um, in terms of like, for example, in most traditional churches, you know, they have these big chairs in the pulpit, you know, and a big, uh, you know, lectern and all this stuff. They didn't, it, there were no big seats in the, in the pulpit. In fact, the pastor was down in the audience, like when the music is going on, he'd be down in the audience and also, you know, singing and things of that nature. And when it was his turn to go up, he would go up. They did everything very differently. They were very wow. visible in their generosity in the community. Just, I mean, very, very well done. And I felt like home every time I went there. And so eventually- Did it feel, I, I don't mean to interrupt you, oh, but no, no, it did feel more like a connection versus like, you know, this 13-year-old previously is just being told, here are these rules, here is this doctrine, here is all this, you know, knowledge, but we're not really giving you the tools on- how to understand any of this and relate it. And you're being asked as a 13 year old who what 13 year old wouldn't be kind of shy to go up and be like, I claim this, even though you don't know what you're claiming. Yes. And then all of a sudden, you know, just a few years later, you're going to another church where it doesn't feel like we're, I guess for lack of better word, and I hope none of you are offended out there, but, but instead of feeling like preached at or to, you felt a connection with. Would that describe yeah. kind of the difference a little bit? Yeah, there was definitely, there was more of an aliveness that was there. It didn't uh, feel routine. It felt more of a freedom of, of choice of just how they did things. It's like there was more openness. There was, um, yeah. you know, more of an open invitation to talk to the pastor, you know, just mm, things like mm-hmm. that, that, yeah. um, that sort of made a difference. And so, you know, I, I, I began to get involved in, in this church, right? <laughs> and I was doing it, like I was joining the softball team. I just, I enjoyed all the people there. It was cool. Yeah. And, and so I, I eventually decided, well, man, maybe I should just join here. I'm already like here all the time. So I ended up joining that church when I was, I think I was 17. Did that cause a problem in your family? Oh, yes. Oh, wow. How? Oh, yes. Well, for some reason, you know, there's this loyalty to whatever church you belong to kind of thing, you know? Right. And, uh, and as a family, you know, generally your family stick together. There was none of my immediate family or even extended family necessarily that went to this other church. So it was like I was leaving my family to go pursue this. So that was really tough. And I did, you know, get a lot of talk tos and all this type of crap when I did that. Um, and then that confused me even more. Well, not confused me, but I guess just pushed me to just ask more questions like, Just to be inquisitive about, well, what is this about? Why does it make a difference? I'm really excited and happy to be over here and learning and connecting with God in a different way, in a way that I'm excited about. And you guys have a problem with that? (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Right. See, I remember like as a, I grew up in an interreligiously married family Mm. where my mom was Jewish and my father was Christian and neither were very practicing, but both their families were way more practicing. And so we would go to like, you know, a temple and church for various different like, you know, holidays and things like that. And we as kids, I have two older brothers, we're just like, we just saw our parents as these loving, compassionate, kind people who had certain kind of belief systems, but they didn't push that down our throats, right? So as we grew older, our parents 
you know, really just gave us the foundations, but let us three choose. So now I have an Orthodox Jewish brother. I have a very devout Catholic brother. And then there's me who people have pushed me like, well, what religion are you? What, what Mm -hmm. organized structure do you follow? And I'm like, well, I really don't. But if you want to classify me, the closest that you come to that I can offer up is kind of a blend of Eastern philosophy and Native American spirituality. Mm-hmm. Right. But it was it was our parents. If we had had parents who kind of said, no, you will believe this and you will do this and you will go to this place of worship every day, week, whatever. And these are the things you're supposed to feel. Oh, my God, I can only imagine how my brothers and I like maybe how our lives would have been different, maybe how we would have showed up as people day to day. Like I just I can't even wrap my head around that. So I can only imagine then the struggle that you as a 17-year-old are facing when now you're getting all this backlash from your family and yet your deeper kind of knowingness inside is calling you to this other church. Mm-hmm. All right, so then kind of how did that like continue to play out? What happened then? So then I was, in terms of being a, a regular member at this church, I was, I was only doing that for about a, about a couple of years, really, because then I went to college. Okay. So college was about five hours away. And so, ah. you know, I was only really going to the church when I came back on breaks and holidays and stuff. So, you know, me going to college was another big part of my spiritual journey because there I found other people my age who voluntarily and willingly got together to go to church. <laughs> so it was like, <laughs> it was like, know? was that like, wait, wait, what you mean? You, you want to go to church? Like yeah, it was, so there was a, a choir there um, at the school and the choir was just amazing. I love music, grew up around music. So I remember this group came and they sang for us at this, uh, you know, cultural event or whatever for the high school students. And, and I'm listening to this choir. And I'm like, man, this is amazing. And I remember looking around like, where are their parents or who's, Where's their pastor? Where, who's the person that's like organizing this and making them do this? You know, right, right. <laughs> it wasn't the case. Like they, they did their own Bible studies. They would pray together. They would do, you know, it was just the, a church community, but on a on a college campus, right, with other yeah. African American or uh, people from different backgrounds. So mm-hmm. that that was that was kind of like the perfect next step, I guess, in terms of this uh, this interest and this drive I had in terms of asking these sort of questions and you know, learning more about it. Now, so were, were some of these questions from like age 13 and then 16, 17, and even in college, were they starting to cause you to kind of become aware that you maybe weren't really knowing who exactly you were? Or was it more about these questions were more just specifically about kind of like your religious faith and the structures of that of that faith. Yeah, it was more about more directed towards the faith, I suppose. It okay. wasn't until it wasn't until I moved to Philadelphia from Virginia that more of the other question that you just mentioned before in terms of like who am I kind of questions started to come about more so okay. from a spiritual perspective. Well, and we'll get back to that in a second. Today's episode has been brought to you by our sponsor, True Visionaries Incorporated an organization dedicated to helping you become a true visionary of your own life. If you're dealing with any kind of stress day-to-day or stress related to the pandemic, 
then go to www.susandesenzi.com forward slash stress toolkit to download your free stress toolkit guide. Thanks so much for listening. Now back to the show. All right. So like, yeah, go on. Like, so then what happens, you know, through college, you're, you're just going home oh, yeah. uh, periodically to the other church. Yeah. Are you getting a lot of grief and flack still at this point from your family with not only <laughs> being a part of the other church, but your experiences at college? At this point, once I got back, uh, you know, with my family, I mean, things were definitely better, but then it just kind of shifted a little bit because I was taking my faith pretty seriously. And there were things that I would do differently. Like I remember coming back home and my brother and sister and being like, you're, you're acting different. Like usually you'd be going off or upset or whatever, but you're, you're different or something. Like you seem nicer or whatever. I didn't have as much of an attitude, I guess, or whatever. So <laughs> I always love that. So, yeah. so there, there, nicer. Yeah. Gentler so there, there was, right. There was that response. And then there was also just sort of like these sort of like, like weird faces at things that I would do. For example, I remember one time getting ready to go to the grocery store and, you know, you look up, you like, oh, did I forget my keys or I forgot my wallet or something like that? I forgot my Bible. And for some reason, it was really important to me that I couldn't go anywhere without a Bible on my person or in the car or wherever, for whatever need. It could have been, well, mostly it was to pray for someone else or to, you know, be, you know, be that evangelist on the road kind of thing. Yeah. So, you know, it, that, that it was more of an extremist uh, <laughs> uh, sort of lifestyle when I would come back home. And I think that overall, my, you know, my parents are probably just happy that since I was away that I wasn't on drugs and pregnant or something. So, you know, it, at that point, it was just a little bit more, uh, there wasn't as much of a, you know, flack with that. But I do recall that some of the leaders in the church that I was a part of before actually started to like question me or like we'd be in a Bible study. And, you know, with regular people, everybody's little Bible study. And the, the leader would pose very, like, heavy questions to the group, knowing, you know, and then act, asking me to speak up about it. And like, well, what do you think? Because, you, you know, you, you, you study so much and you're so high and whatever. Like, they would try to. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Almost like, really like heavy questions. Almost like, in a way, like being judgmental and condescending with, yes. with in a very passive aggressive kind of way, right? Yes. And now, were these leaders <laughs> from the first church or these were leaders from the newer the church, church you had joined? Oh, the first church. Yeah. Wow. So, so like, that I, I would still visit with my family and things like that, you know, so I would still be around them in some <sighs> respect. Oh, yeah. yeah. And it was like, you know, oh, Parsha, go ahead and lead prayer because you're so, you know whatever. I'm like, just because I actually am interested in this stuff and I want to read the Bible doesn't mean that I'm meant to be a minister. It doesn't mean right. that I, you know, I'm trying to challenge you or like whatever, or that I think I'm better than you. It just was like, you know, this very interesting response that came. But, you know, again, that was once I was in college. And it sounds like they had a lot of expectations because, you know, you're not following the expectations that they had held for you. And maybe your family had kind of held for you and they're seeing that. And so it's like kind of threatening. Yeah. Right. So that becomes very kind of like passive aggressive. Now pay attention, everybody, because this isn't just about like at a church or in religion. There are a lot of people in all of our lives, right? Parshall, your life, my life on a regular basis who can be very, what we call passive aggressive, right? Like they're kind of mad and they kind of have attitude, but they don't really want to appear like they're mad or have attitude. So they're kind of passive in their and their judgments and their pokes and their criticisms. But 
they're really being ultimately aggressive because they're not speaking their truth and they're just kind of buying into the expectation. So did you find at this time that like with some of that, were you noticing that then like at the time that they were kind of doing that or did this awareness come about later? Oh, I, I noticed it. I noticed it. I mean, it just was clear. I mean, it just was always, it just was that type of interaction. Usually when I was around some of these people just questioning me or challenging me or, you know, some people saying, well, it doesn't take all that. Why are you so extreme with it? Like, I mean, wow. there were certain things that we were, that I was doing in college as well. For example, on the biggest college party nights at, at my school, we were actually out evangelizing to people, you know, like it wasn't, uh, this was part of the group that I was a part of. So I guess a lot of aspects like that, I think, made your typical Christian who just shows up on Sunday, right, who has a lot to say, you know, it just, if you know, maybe made them them feel a certain way based on their experiences, because it takes a lot of courage and guts to, you know, talk to strangers and to do anything of that nature for the sake of a belief, you know, we're talking about religion and stuff like that. I mean, that isn't like something you just walk up to people and say, you know, right, right. So, you know, there was a lot of that, that um, I think that they just, in some way or shape, they just, thought was too radical or you know just i'm out there like that was the the label i'm out there did that drive you deeper into kind of your (laughs) you know beliefs at that point then yeah i think it did because it was like something about how they responded to what i was doing Mm -hmm. made me question more of what or, or just want to explore more of it because the deeper I got with it and just understanding certain principles and what God meant when he said this and just wanting to understand it and study it more. I don't know. It just, it pushed me to see that, well, I'm doing, I'm doing the things that the faith says to do, but for some reason, the majority have a problem with it or they're threatened by it or Mm. whatever the case is. So it just made me dive deeper because as I experienced these, you know, these things, I was enjoying it. It made me feel alive. It made me feel really fulfilled to to read and to understand and study or pray or just, you know, whatever it was. It really gave me a sense of just excitement and fulfillment. Something that just says, yep, you're on the right path. Like this is this is something that is part of, you know, part of life that we should have an understanding of and that should be made priority. So kind of that evangelical kind of, you know, I could never say this word right, and I probably shouldn't even attempt to proselytizing. Yeah. Is that right? <laughs> yeah. Is that did I say it right? I never. I, I wow, I'm surprised I actually said it right because I usually bot, butch it, you know, botch it up horribly. So in this kind of space, then when you know your old kind of church family, so to speak, is pushing you away essentially, and you are with this group that feels totally right, and it feels like a part of your path. And in that space, though, there's kind of this evangelical kind of proselytizing. Where was the point then that you started to feel that even now this has become not really your path or who you are becoming or aware? Like what, what, what kind of happened or what was that point? Yeah. So once I got married, my husband and I at that time joined with a, a much smaller church, right? And this church, you know, it, it was small enough to where you had to, like, we were literally the first ones to show up, the last ones to leave. Mm-hmm. We were helping to set up equipment, set up chairs, all that jazz. 
And we put a lot of time and devotion into that church in terms of leading it and helping it to grow. And uh, out of nowhere, the pastor decides to up and cancel the church, like to close the church over a conference call. And wow. yeah, <laughs> so that was a, that was a huge blow, right? So oh, that, yeah. Was, yeah. <laughs> so, so that happened, which, you know, was, was pretty, pretty difficult. And then um, at that point we were looking around for another church and we found another church that we, we decided to join. But what was weird was that we decided not to reveal our skills and talents because my husband at the time was a very, he's a very talented musician. So he plays the piano. Any church would be lucky to have him, right? Mm-hmm. And then for me, for the marketing, video, media side of things for church, like I'm also a huge asset to an extent. So now we're part of this other church where we were so burned by, you know, burned to an extent from, the, uh, from this smaller church that we didn't even want to let this other church know what we did. Yeah, <laughs> so now we're sure. just attending and, and going through that experience. And then uh, not too long after that, then we moved to Philadelphia. And this was something business related. So moved to Philadelphia. And now we're there. And there was this same pressure to, to sort of find a church home. Right. We got to find somewhere to go. You know, my mom and other people are hitting me up. Right. So what church home are you going to go to next? You know, where are you going next? And I really, you know, we did visit around a few places to figure out where we could go, but it just, it just, we, we just kind of picked up on this routine that we really weren't interested in <laughs> because we knew that if we joined there, then eventually we're going to be serving. Eventually we're going to be using our time there and, and getting involved. And it just was this pattern that just, it just, it, it wasn't fulfilling. It wasn't what we signed up for. You know, we talk about really devoting your life to something. So um, it just didn't make sense to us in that regard. But nevertheless, that's what uh, just at that point when we were asking the question of like, well, what's 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 the rest of the rush? Why do we have to find another church to become a member to? This is the same stuff, you know, that's being done. So at that point, we decided to just not join anywhere. <laughs> and that oh, was wow. a huge, uh, a huge step in the direction of like. I guess, independence to an extent, right? And just saying, well, we're going to, you know, we still believe in God. We're still still chosen people, right? All that jazz, but we're just not going to join a church right now. And that's where things really started to shift because now I'm researching more. I'm reading more. I still want to understand. I still want to learn. But now it's opened me up to, to different things. And so yeah. at that point is where I think I came across that Netflix documentary called The Secret or the book The Secret that everybody talks about. Yeah. And that's what kind of just opened me up even more to this understanding of spirituality. And I could recognize, you know, just my devotion to it just over the years. That's when I'm like, wow, like this is incredible. Like this is what it was meant by this. And I just started connecting the dots between what other spiritual practices and teachers said and taught mm-hmm. versus what I had studied as well. Because mind you, and I didn't mention this, but I was so interested, right, in this. I actually got a master's in theology. Prior to seeing the documentary, The Secret? Yes. Oh, wow. Yes. So you you had fascination with understanding, like, religiosity and kind of doctrine and dogma of multiple faiths. Yeah. Long before, which led to your... Ma- wow, that's huge. What... Now... Was Philadelphia where you were originally from? No, I was from Virginia. So oh, right. Austin, from, yeah. yeah. So now being in Philadelphia, there's really no pressure of, of your immediate family asking you and in your face about church and stuff like that. I mean, 
if anything, right. they'll, they'll call me, you know? Yeah. Uh, but other than that, it's not like, a, you know, we weren't a part of that family routine and activity like that. So did you have your master's of theology at this point in Philadelphia? Yes. Or did, oh, you did. Okay. Yes. So mm -hmm. first of all, I would love to know then what, in seeing the secret then, see, this is fascinating. Because, <laughs> you know, a lot of people have opinions about that documentary. I personally believe it was a great door opener for exactly people like you. And I've said this for years, that it was a great door opener for people who either had a religious structure or faith or belief system, or maybe didn't, but it opened their mind to the possibility that there is this something else that may be out there and to just start questioning. The problem I had with The Secret is that it didn't go far enough with really helping people understand kind of the depth and the breadth of spirituality per se, which is different for everybody. It kind of stopped a little short, but it was a great door opener. And for others, it was phenomenal, right? It really did, you know, amazing things. So you see this documentary. So first, I would love to know what your definition of spirituality even is. What does spirituality mean to you? Spirituality to me is, and it's funny because that's part of your, the, the title of your podcast. I think it's just, it's just about expression, how you individually as a person based on where you live, based on certain interests, based on what you're inclined to or whatever. I think it's just like a, a, a number of preferences that come together for what you need individually to mm -hmm. transcend the beliefs that you've been given from your conditioning. Or in other words, to connect with that higher power, that higher self, or the invisible that we cannot see. We might call, you know, God or what have you. Right. However it is that you connect with God is, spirituality to me is your own, is your own way of doing that. And it looks different for different people. But I think ultimately we're connected to the same. What happens though if somebody doesn't believe in God? And I say this because in my years as a therapist, one of my areas of specialty has been substance abuse and addictions, right? Mm -hmm. And so in, in the 12-step process work, you know, it's it's kind of recognized that you are powerless, right? And that there is a higher power. Well, I can remember, especially when I worked at prison, in, in a prison, there I worked with adult men, and, and there were many of those adult men who had a criminal background and criminal history, thus why they're in prison, but they also had to have a substance abuse or addiction problem. And when we would talk about these things, they're like, I don't believe in any of that. And so I remember telling one guy specifically, look, you know, higher power doesn't mean that it has to be this benevolent kind of God or spiritual or religious kind of entity. It could be that fucking chair sitting across from you in the day room. And they're like, what? <laughs> and I'm yeah. like, look, if you believe unequivocally that that chair has some kind of connection with you, and I know this is probably I'm going to get emails about this and whatever. I'm not saying that the chair can be someone's higher power. What I'm saying is that when you have somebody that has no belief system of anything that we would term higher power, and they're trying to understand how to start dealing with something 
and they give that chair some power in their mind that somehow that chair speaks to them and gives them comfort and shares with them some great, wonderful insights, then who the fuck cares if that chair is your higher power? But overall, okay, what happens then, like, or what happened in your world, I should say, if you came across somebody now having some of these beliefs shifting for yourself and understanding the spirituality from a different place for yourself outside of kind of just the religious structure you grew up in and that conditioning, how do you, how do you, I guess, how do you think you would have felt or thought or how do you think or feel if someone had no belief whatsoever in a higher power? How, how would you describe spirituality then for, for them, let's say? Yeah, I would say that kind of similar to what you said, right? It's about connection. It's about the connection and spirituality and, and that extent, you know, for that person, I think it just shows up in different ways for them. And so I would just in conversation and what have you, just to connect with them. What do they care about? Right. And if you dig yeah. deep enough into the things that they care about, there's something there that's of, of importance that's, that's then connected to values, that's then connected to something that they hold true to be something that is just outside of themselves, right? And then yeah. there are other aspects too, I think that anybody can consider. Um, mm -hmm. Like for example, if you shut your eyes, right? And I tell you to imagine this or, you know, imagine a, a lamp in front of you or something like that. Who's seeing that? Who's seeing the lamp that you see, right? Ask, ask right. a question, right? Say, say the word lamp to yourself. Who said that? How did you hear it? If you, you know, and it's just... Things like that, that just no one can really deny if you just bring it to that level. And whatever you decide yes. to call the existence of whatever that is, you can call it whatever you want, but that's important and it's a part of your life, right? It's a part of your, your entire makeup being here on this planet. You cannot deny it. When you shut your eyes and go to sleep, who's making sure your heart is still beating? You know what I mean? You have nothing right. to do with that. Yeah. Nothing. So there's just so many other explanations I think that, you know, we can delve into. And for somebody who maybe is interested very, very deeply in that chair, in chairs, period, the more they dig into the nuances and how these chairs are made and what it takes to make a chair in the wood <laughs> and the type of wood, and they just go deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper yeah. right, into something that they care about, they will find God. Hands down, or whatever yes. they call God, you know? <laughs> Thank you. Yes. Yes. See, this is this, everybody listen. This is why I wanted to have this conversation with Parshel because you know, she's raised in this very kind of strict and more structured religious faith, kind of organized doctrine, and over a period of time starts, you know, it began with the questions of just basic wanting to understand what she was being taught and believing in it, but not understanding some of it. And I think that's a perfect metaphor for how we as human beings are raised in these different cultures and, and family units and societal norms and all of the things, the expectations and the ideologies that the world around us our family units, our spheres of influence have about and for us that we then buy into, we believe as truth when really it's not our truth, but we kind of have these questions, but we don't really know what that means to even have these questions or how we even ask more questions. And it's a period of time and processing over other experiences as time goes on 
that we then become clearer and clearer. So then, you know, you have this master's in theology, you, you know, are living in Philadelphia, you've seen the secret, you have these deeper other questions now. With understanding then of what you've come from, and that you and your husband didn't have to choose, and you had this different freedom that you never really, sounds like you never really felt like you had that freedom before, right? Yeah. Right. So what then were some of those beliefs that you may have held that you learned from that conditioning and that growing up that you feel kind of held you back? And there was a second part to that question when you, when you answer that. Like, what were some of those things? Yeah, there were a lot of beliefs around uh, like money. For example, money was a big topic, and especially in the church, because you were always supposed to give to the church. Mm-hmm. And you, you know, you were required, let's say, to give 10%, you know, as a tithe to the church. And, you know, to not tithe meant that, you know, in some way, shape or form, you were going to be punished or, mm. you know, like the, the way it was taught to us was, you know, if you, do, if, you do, if you skip out on tithing, then expect this week that there's going to be some holes in your pocket, which basically meant that your car is going to break down, blah, 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 like all this stuff, right? They're oh. giving you the... <laughs> God, fear. Yeah, right? yeah, oh. a lot of fear. Um, the other thing that was really, really big and really celebrated in the, in, the, in the tradition of Christianity was submissiveness to leadership, mm-hmm. whether that's your husband or the pastor or whomever, you know, whoever that is, you give, you know, respect to and you, you know, you know, you, you don't necessarily question or what have you, uh, certain things. So that was another uh, belief. And then also, too, that this uh, this other thing that I learned later on, which was like it was summed up in the phrase, I'm third, which meant God came first and whatever that meant or whatever you understood meant to put God first. Then there was others came second and then you were third. And so this also, I think, instilled, you know, we talk about worthiness and you talk about being in business and asking for what you know you're worth or, you know, or even begging for what a little bit beneath it or whatever. Right. These, these beliefs uh, are, have been, for me, pretty challenging to, to rise above. <laughs> you know, at least it's one thing that's an easy trigger for me when it comes to, you know, value, worthiness, money and how it's managed, things of that nature. Yeah, wow. And do you feel in this like budding new direction of questioning, diving what sounds like into more of a kind of a spiritual aspect for you as opposed to a religious aspect? And again, I I just want to clarify for you all that, you know, you don't have to have any particular faith. You don't have to believe in any particular religion that's organized or not or have a structure or a, or a doctrine that you follow or believe in or go to church or temple or a mosque or, or whatever, you don't have to have any of that to understand what we're kind of talking about today, which is about how we can be ingrained and conditioned to believe certain things. And then we buy into that as truth, but we have questions, but we doubt our questions because the rules tell us don't have those questions, or you're not supposed to have those questions, or you're not supposed to try to find the answers. But then we keep living our life with this nagging internal kind of something that keeps gnawing at us saying like, you know, well, there's something more, or there's something missing, or there's there's another piece to this puzzle, and I wish I could figure it out. And oftentimes, it can feel like nobody has an answer. And 
so that's one of the things that you know I want to dive into a little bit is how did you then you know having gone through all these experiences at this point if you don't mind me asking about how old were you at this point where you started to recognize after you saw the secret that something is shifting in you to such a degree that it's become way more what I guess we'll call spiritual for you as opposed to kind of the religious faith and structure you grew up in. How old were you about? I would probably say, I would probably say like 30, 31, somewhere around there. Like 30, and was there 30, anything that really happened or shifted? Or was it kind of all the experiences up to that point and the secret that were kind of the catalyst or what? That's a really great question. I feel like it was just, it was a lot of conversations that, I also started having with my husband at the time. He's my ex-husband now, but I think one of the reasons we were together was to help support each other to get out of this belief, uh, you know, sort of belief system and become mm. more spiritually aware ourselves. Yeah. So because he had also grew up very religious, very, you know, so it was easy for us. We understood, oh yeah, go to church on Wednesday. Oh yeah, go to church. You know, we sure. knew that, that life. And so we were doing this together right? Going through these experiences and saying, oh my God, we're not going to church today. Like, this is crazy. Like, you know, <laughs> or whatever we, you know, we experienced that together. And so I think it was around that time, you know, like I said, we, we just got to Philly and that's when just with the, with us just asking more questions, I think that he and I's conversation were very supportive of us diving into more of these spiritual conversations, if you will. Yeah. And it opened us up to listen to somebody else other than a, a Christian pastor or something. You know, we started listening to like some of the people, for example, uh, when I watched The Secret, I saw, I saw Michael Beckwith on there. And so I started checking out some of his services that he was doing mm -hmm. online. And so it, you know, just things like that bit by bit that just started to kind of open up and just kind of give me a new way of understanding and seeing like really ultimately the, the big revelation I had every single time was, oh my God, that's just like what, you know, <laughs> what I understood about what it means to connect with love and joy. And, you know, we talk about some of the things that are referenced in the Bible. It was like, this is the same. This is yeah. the same. Like, that's what I just kept coming to. I was like, this is, this is the same thing. They're just saying it differently. <laughs> They're just saying it from a different perspective or based on their geographic location. You know, they happen to have a, a shit ton of trees there, you know, and they're just really yeah. into the trees. It's like they're connecting to the same thing and they exhibit the same fruits of the spirit that are, you know, talked about in the Bible, love, joy, peace, you know, long suffering, all these things. Like it's yes. the same thing that it means to be human, you know? So, you know, that, that those are the things that really started to come up to me more. So it just was that same thought of, Oh my God, it's the same. It's the same. It's the same. I remember, you know, having awareness at four years old, who we were at the core is how I phrase it. Like, I just, I just knew that we were these spiritual beings having a human experience. Don't ask me how or why, <laughs> but I knew this at four and I just, you know, like was fueled by that, but it was very confusing having that awareness and understanding because of all these human experiences you know, I am human. I'm having these experiences and I'm confused by them, right? Like, you know, we go to a service where they're talking about love and empathy and compassion and humanity. And then we're standing out in the parking lot and some of the adults, which I didn't know at the time, I didn't know the word, but they're being hypocritical and they're gossiping mm -hmm. and things mm -hmm. like that. And I just knew it felt icky 
yeah. as I phrased it back then, in my body, right? I didn't understand something. And it led me on a quest mm. to reading everything I could get my hands on starting at age nine. I mean, we're talking every religious kind of text I could get my hands on, every faith that I could learn about from nine till in my 20s. And I came to the same conclusion. All the tenets of all these religious doctrines are the same. Love, compassion, empathy, humanity, kindness, right? You know, like forgiveness, tolerance, acceptance. I couldn't understand. And that's what led me on my quest to understand this, why everybody was so like entrenched in their belief system as the only way, the right way, the only one way to whatever. And I think that's where I started to really recognize that that spiritual kind of awareness I had at four was really what we're about. Like we are these spiritual beings trying to navigate through the human experience, which is the whole name of the show, mm -hmm. right? And it's like, how do we do that though? So how did you begin to navigate your spiritual expression, right? The spiritually expressed humanness of you. How did you begin to really navigate through that to become, or, or to recognize, I should say, that you really weren't being who you were meant to be, that badass that you are? Because trust me, people, <laughs> Barshel is a freaking badass and I love her to death and we didn't meet that long ago and haven't known each other that long but it's one of those instantaneous connections that, that I'm like oh I like this chick she, she's a fucking badass and <laughs> I want to I want to know her longer and I want to know her more and yeah so where do you think that kind of I don't know the point or kind of the awareness is was there anything specific that really made you go what the hell am I doing <laughs> You know, it, uh, in terms of living, like you said, as that spiritually expressed human, right? I think that essentially what that's about is taking your beliefs, right? Because, because I'm reading this book right now too by Wayne Dyer called The Sacred Self, one of his mm -hmm. older books. Mm -hmm. And the chapter that I'm on right now actually is about the difference between believing in th something and knowing something. Ah, yes. Right? Because when you believe something, even if there's a slither of doubt, and that belief, which all beliefs have some slither of doubt, you don't know that for sure. You're either presented that information or what have you, it is a belief, right? But then there's a difference between what you actually know. And so I'll, I'll always say, for example, when I taught high school, at the beginning of the school year, the teachers would look at each other's roster sometime and see who got what kid, you know, did you get the crazy kid? Did you get the, the wild and rambunctious kid or whatever? Yeah. And, and we would look at each other's roles and I'd say, oh, you know, what about this kid? And they say, oh, he is such a problem kid. He's going to give you, he's going to give you hell this year. I'm so sorry that you got him. Da, da, da. I know his sister and blah, you know, all this stuff, right? And I remember, you know, meeting this kid in the hallway or something. And actually he was in my class. And I'm like, this is a regular kid. And we hit it off, right? There was a different rapport that I had with the kid. And he never, he was one of the best students in my class, right? Somebody yeah. that I could rely on in the class. And so I started to notice that that would happen a lot, right? With all these kids, it's like, oh, you got such and such in your class. And, you know, and, and I stopped going with their beliefs or whatever their experiences were to yeah. make them mine. So that's an example, right? How can I dismiss something that I've not experienced myself. 
So I think also what it means to live this life out is to make, make it a priority to, and your, your work, your duty to change those beliefs where there are slivers of doubt. How can I make those beliefs into things that I know? Yeah. Right. If I know something to be true, you know, I don't believe that I can ride this bicycle. I know I can ride this bicycle. There's a difference, you know, especially yeah. if there's a, you know, a scenario happening where you need to know how to ride a bicycle to get away or whatever, you know, do you believe that you can do it or do you know? Right. And right. Yes. From that knowing it's like you're, you're truly living out from a, from a perspective and from a space that is beyond, right. You're now in a place that you can't, that the people can't see necessarily yeah. some way you got to express this higher being that you know that you are. And so, you know, to me to do that is to make it a priority just to always walk in more of a knowing. And if I don't know something, I don't know it. It's not my business, you know, <laughs> kind of thing until I know this for sure. Then I can, I can, I can be, I can be and do it with a certain knowing and confidence. Yeah. Well, and it's interesting that you said that just now at the end with confidence, because I have often through my career taught my clients the differences between self-confidence, self-esteem, and self-worth. And they're very, very different. And it would take us a little bit to go into it all. But just suffice it to say, especially, you know, and, and everybody, I'd love for you to really kind of hear this, you know, clearly because it really ties into what Parshel just said. Self-confidence is about that knowingness, that experiencing. I know I know how to ride a bike. I haven't done it in a long time. I know once I get back on it, it'll come back to me. Self-esteem is about the belief, right? Like I believe I'd be a good student body president, never done it before. I know my values, my heart. I believe I have support. I believe I do a good job. And that's a sense of that self-esteem is that belief is that like, am I believing that this is possible or that I'm capable? But it doesn't become confidence till you actually know and experience. And then the whole, you know, self-worth is about the deservingness. And, you know, I'll save that for another episode. But it, it, it ties in because it was almost like you were being asked as this young child growing up in this religious faith and these experiences to just have, we'll, we'll phrase it to this, to this kind of way, self-esteem. Then you started having experiences that gave you confidence or shook confidence in those beliefs based on those experiences. Then you developed more deservingness, self-worth, right? That said, I need to understand this from a deeper place. And you started researching and studying and questioning and conversating and all of this stuff to come to your own kind of awarenesses that gave you a sense of confidence that this is the path that is right for you. So where did you kind of then, you know, you said in it, like when I read from your bio that it wasn't until you ended that 28 year long, very devoted relationship with the church that you really started to come into discovering who you really are. Were you still married at that point? Like, can you take me a little bit through that journey? So, you know, it, so we, my husband and I, we were in Philly. We lived there for about four years. And eventually we moved out to California. And so that transition is when I think life just kind of happened <laughs> to an extent that really pushed me even further to really understand more, more of myself and to be pushed out of this tradition, right? So 
when, yeah. when we came to California, it was August of 2017. And in October of 2017, my husband at the time tells me he's, he doesn't want to be married anymore. Oh, wow. And we had just like, you know, packed all this stuff up, moved half, you know, drove across the country. Wow. <laughs> Uh, to be closer to his family and, and to his son who was who was in California. So uh, when that happened, it was kind of like all of the traditions that I had in terms yeah. of, you know, first of all, by that point, we weren't really going to church anymore at all. And then now I'm faced with this concept of divorce, right? And 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 that was really, really tough just because divorce was definitely a big no-no uh, when mm. it came to... Yeah. Uh, when it came to the Christian faith, it was like, it just you just weren't supposed to do it. It was definitely looked down upon. And then through that as well, you know, I, I, at that point, I'm like, all right, what do I do? Who am I kind of going through more of the self-discovery um, experience? And again, life happened. And now I'm actually in a relationship with a woman who I love and that oh. I consider to be true love, right? It's like, uh, not to say that I didn't love my husband, my ex-husband, but it was... It, that, it was for a particular time, you know what I mean? This right. kind of love is, is, is just different, you know, I feel it every day uh, with her. And this was also something else that, that shook me as well, to really understand more of who I am. And each of the steps along the way was scary, you know, because I'm releasing and letting a part of my identity die and go away. Oh, my or, gosh. Or, or it I... goes away, period. So you're talking about marriage <laughs> yeah. is gone and now being open to, you know, <laughs> being with a woman for which... I literally gave no, like, I, I preached against it. You know what I mean? Like, one Ugh. of the things from a belief standpoint, you know, you, you, you don't know necessarily. You just believe. You're given this belief right. about what, what love is supposed to look like um, and who is supposed to be between and all of this. And it just was like bit by bit, these things just shattered in front of my face, except that it was happening to me. You know? Yeah, right. <laughs> Not somebody else where you could distance yourself. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. God. So how did your family kind of take that news that here's this daughter who has, you know, grew up in, in their faith and their structure and was very, I guess, again, for lack of a better terminology, and correct me if I'm wrong, kind of hardcore in it, you know, and then you're shifting and you're moving away from it a little bit and they don't like that. But then it's a little more, and they don't like that, but they love you. You're their daughter. And now you commit again. This is not my belief. This is from the old from that mentality. You are now committing one of the ultimate sins. Dun dun dun. <laughs> like, you know, which I could tell you, and I know I don't, I don't believe in that kind of stuff. But there are people who do so yeah. like, and, and there are people who judge that. So how did that kind of go over with your family? And if you don't mind sharing, is there a relationship now? And, and yeah. how is that? You know, thankfully, I, I do have a strong relationship with my family still, um, which is great. Aww. So yeah, that's I'm awesome. very, very grateful for that. And I even expressed to my mom, especially, you know, I still thank her to this day. And I do it here on the podcast. I really thank her for not dismissing me or anything uh, to that effect because she, you know, you know, it's your mom, you know? <laughs> yeah. So I, I definitely, uh, I, I think also with me explaining it right. And the way that I actually uh, shared it, I think made a difference. It wasn't sure. like, Hey, guess what? 
you know, <laughs> this is what's going on. You know, actually I, I prefaced and I said, you know what, you guys, I know this is going to be challenging to hear, but I want you to know, first and foremost, like, yes, you know, my husband and I are not together anymore, blah, blah, blah. But I'm like so happy, you know, and I made sure to express that to say, you know, I'm happy and this is what's happening. I feel really blessed and whatever. And I'm, I'm in a new relationship now and I love it. And, you know, I just, I prefaced it in a certain way that they felt maybe, I guess they did, you know, feel some sort of happiness that I was okay and, and all yeah. of this. And, and then I say, you know, it happens to be with a woman, you know? So initially there were some, definitely some feedback and some, you know, things from my mom in terms of like, I don't think she really spoke to me for a couple of days or whatever, but you know, eventually she, you know, she was cool with it, you know, or I want to say cool with it, but accepting, you know, she did not take my calls or, you know, anything like that. Like we're still. Right. Like she didn't disown you and block your number and block you off social media. Daughter? (laughs) What daughter? I don't have a daughter. What are you talking about? So it it wasn't like that. You know, I know that it definitely surprised some people, but then there's some people were like, I, I knew that already, you know, when was, you know, now that this is happening, it's not like a big surprise. I'm like, really? Like, cause I didn't have a clue. (laughs) (laughs) I seriously did it. See, and that goes to perception again, right? That we can have these, you know, I, I, I believe very strongly that our beliefs are born from the experiences that we have, but they're really deeper than that from the perceptions and the perceptions are there because of some of the conditioning that whether we're consciously aware of it or it's a subconscious kind of thing, we've been ingrained with certain kinds of perceptual knowledge already, even if we don't understand it. Just like when I'm a little girl and we're in the parking lot and I have this perceptual ability or thought process that I didn't have the right language for, that we're just having this beautiful, loving service, and then people are seeming to act not that way, right? And my perception was, it's icky in my body, so there's something wrong with this. Mm -hmm. So I know for me, it actually pushed me against organized religion. I vowed, I remember sitting in a church and a temple at five years old for some of the Christian and Jewish holidays, literally saying to myself, I will never believe in organized religion. I don't care. (laughs) And through the years, anytime people would try to talk to me from like a, just try to help me understand maybe their religion, there would almost be this rebellious kind of feeling and this desire, this resistance to like, don't you dare try to like convert me. Don't you dare try to talk me into it because I'm already being prepared to fight you on this, right? (laughs) Not fight, fight, but like resist. And even the word Jesus for a long time, I couldn't even say Jesus Christ without Mm. feeling like I was somehow saying, I believe what you believe in the same exact way. Right. And it's like, it's just those perceptions, right? What an amazing, amazing story. Now, as you continued to kind of like then, you know, live more of that truth, have you found it easier then over time? And and if you don't mind me asking, how long ago was this? Like five, ten years, three years, you know? Of 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 what? From what? Well, the divorce and you kind of falling into a relationship with a woman and recognizing more of your truths. Oh yeah, this was uh, 20, 2018. 
2018. So just yeah, a couple of years ago. Yeah. So in the last couple of years, have you found it easier as you are unpeeling some of these old belief systems away to live more authentically you and, and really uncover more and more and more of who you really are? Yes, absolutely. I mean, and it's almost too, it, there's this more of an acceptance of, you know, whatever that is for me, you know, if I'm interested in something or I want to explore something, I don't judge it, you know, it's like just this sort of openness to it. And I think with that, there's more of a confidence in, in, in how to, how to navigate it because essentially, like I said, we're after the same thing. We're after connection. Yeah. You know, one of the things that I've said is that as far as worshiping Jesus or, or you know, that, that Christians do, we're really not, I think, at the end of the day, we're not really after being just like him as a person and all this type of stuff and, and worshiping mm-hmm. to that extent. I think that what we're really after is the connection that he had, right? Yeah. The connection that he had with his higher self, you know, with, with, with a higher power or with what he called in the Bible father, right? He said, the father and I are one. And people yeah. thought that that was blasphemous. They thought that was ridiculous. How can you be walking saying that you're God or that you're, you know, you're a higher, a higher connected to a higher source, right? I think that's what we're after. And he displayed that in the story with his ability to pray for the people who were beating him and putting yeah, him on a cross. Exactly. You know? So yeah, that it's definitely just the experience has opened me up a little bit more just to just to be open, to, just to really acknowledge and celebrate other people who feel excited about something that they're doing. Yeah. Something is giving them fulfillment. Something is giving them a sense of joy, maybe more than they had before. That is, <laughs> I think, whatever, whatever it takes for you to, to be in that place, you yeah. know, do more of that. I think that's the point. The more yeah, you do exactly. of that, you know, it'll just open you up more to be receptive to the things that are naturally happening for you. you right. Know, you change your perception, you know, like you said. Yeah. Well, see, and that's one thing I never understood either is like, how could you say we're not one, right? Like, I've always kind of looked at it like, yeah. if we're drops of water in the ocean, when you put us all in the ocean, it's just a big body of water. Yeah. But if you take five drops out of the ocean, and you like, put a drop on a cotton ball and a drop on the sand and a drop on a piece of wood, like whatever, it's going to appear to blend in, or maybe it'll just kind of like sit on the top or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it's still part of the ocean. It's yeah. just, it's a different form. But if you extrapolate those drops again somehow and you put it back in the ocean, we're not going to see where it begins and ends. So yeah. I, that's like one thing I never understood, that whole kind of blasphemous kind of thing that's like, well, how can you say that? And it's like, well, how can we not be? If we are our father's children, if that's your belief system and your faith, whatever you call it, spirituality, religiosity, you know, a specific faith or, or, you know, religion, like who cares if we're this, these children of this father, supposedly, then we are part of him. So how can we like, yeah, how are we that separate? Anyway. And I remember having a conversation with somebody about that maybe about a year ago. And the thought just came to me because, you know, this person I was talking to is definitely an extreme Christian. He didn't agree with my lifestyle and what I was doing um, really felt that his way of Christianity and whatnot was, was the right way that I should be going. And he was very clear in telling me that. But one of the things that I brought up in the conversation was, you know what, if, if there were, if we, if you were to take the, 
the, the Michael Jordans of every faith. I'd say Michael Jordan's the best, the person who embodies this faith, right? Yeah. From Judaism, Christian, Buddhism, whatever. And you put them all at a round table. I said, I really highly doubt that they would sit there and try to convert each other. Yes, exactly. That wouldn't happen. No. <laughs> that would not right. happen. There would be such a love in that room. There'd be such a peace in that space. Yeah. You know what I mean? Otherwise, if you're trying to convert and trying to just change people like that, that's not the way to go. Like allow people to ask their own questions yeah. and, and not judge those questions, right? You know, it's not your life anyway. <laughs> you have so right. much more to worry about. Well, I love what you just said. And and so on that note, you know, we're we're kind of at the end. We've been on a little longer than look, we did I I'm a freaking talker. I, I'm curious. I love people and I could go on forever, but I know eventually I don't want, I don't want all you listening to be like, Oh my God, she's just rattling on still. I always <laughs> hope it's interesting and, and yeah. you know, uh, good conversation for y'all to listen to with what you just said though. It's really super important. What advice then sounds like you kind of just gave it, but if you had to kind of nutshell it and sum it up, what advice would you kind of give then to you know, everybody listening to really learn how to become this spiritually expressed kind of, you know, person, the spiritual being living in and through the human experiences. My advice would be to do the work of distinguishing between your beliefs and what you actually know to be true. Mm. And yeah. to make that, make that work in that inner dialogue that you, that we already have anyway, <laughs> like, Make, make that part of the conversation too. Like, well, do I really believe that? How do I know that for sure? You know, like don't drive yourself crazy in that, but just know that there is a place that you can exist from 100% knowing. Yeah. And it's a much more peaceful life. It's a much more successful life. It's a much more, you know, just fulfilled and present way of being on the planet. So I think that the more that we can be in that knowing, the better. And I, I know that for me, that's a priority. Um, yeah. And I think it's, it, I mean, when I acknowledge it, it's been a priority for a long time. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> it's been a priority for a long time. So I just, you know, I recommend to to do that and to walk in the things that you know, because you can, you know, if you know it, nobody can tell you any different. You know that yes. you see for yourself and nobody can convince you otherwise because you actually know it. I love that. Thank you so much for that. And you would say that you are living more as this spiritually expressed badass you were always meant to be. <laughs> would you say that now? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I love that. I could tell. I didn't know you before, but I could tell when we first met that there was a a, a purity and an authenticity and a happiness and a peace and a joy to you that I can only imagine based on what you shared with me before about your past and growing up like that, that wasn't there. And I'm just so grateful that you found that. Look, thank you so much for being here. I want to tell you all a little bit more about how to get in touch with Parshall. She is an you know, amazing video producer, has done some major work for some major brands around the world. And she has this really cool and especially now with COVID-19 and still us being in the throes of sheltering in place and all the families who are struggling like with their kids right you know their home and she was a teacher right so like she she got it on she knows and a math teacher at that she knows how to take all that and she's created something called my video playtime 
and go to www.myvideoplaytime.com. And remember, the links will be in the show notes, but it's myvideoplaytime.com to receive this incredible learning program that is really designed for families, for adults, for kids, teenagers, where it's a program on how really how to make videos, how to take their creativity and put it to good use right now, especially with being at home, and make it educational at the same time, help gain confidence, help them grow their sense of self. There's a free program that you can grab. There's a workbook you can look at. There's a teen academy that's available. So go to you know myvideoplaytime.com and grab that from Parshel. And if you yourself are interested in any kind of video production services, which you might think aren't really necessary right now because a lot of people aren't gathering live, I'll tell you you're wrong. There's a lot that Parshel can do with and for you virtually. And this is kind of all the way we're going right now is that we have to look at everything virtually. So I'm, I know I'm going to throw out another website to you, but you know, one is for kind of you and your family and your kids. And another one is for you if you're in business. And that's www.connectwithparshel.com. And Parshell is P-A-R-C-H-E-L-L-E. So it's connectwithparshell.com. If you're interested in obtaining any kind of video production services, have a conversation with Parshell. Trust me, you won't be disappointed. Parshell, thank you for being the badass that you are. Thank you for being a spiritually expressed human who can be human and can stand in her spirituality and live her authenticity and her truth. I'm so grateful that you joined me today for this conversation. It was so much fun. Yeah, same here. Thank you. And if you guys are interested, too, in hearing more about my story about leaving the church, I decided to do a little YouTube series that I did. It's about nine episodes where I talked about different aspects of leaving the church. So it's called, if you just go on YouTube, When I Left the Church, and just search that, and you'll see my face and (laughs) some of the things that I I shared and talked about. So check that out. Oh, and you know what? Thank you for saying that. I had not written that down. I'm going to make sure that we put that in all the show notes so that people have access to that. And I do believe, can I can I say this little secret sure. that you, I do believe that Miss Parshell is looking at turning that into a podcast. Oh, yes. That is going to be an amazing podcast <laughs> because how many of us have believed shifted our beliefs to our experiences, and then went totally different directions. And those are always stories to listen in on. Well, again, thank you, Parshel, for being here. I was, I'm honored to have you. And it was such a phenomenal conversation. And for all of you who are new to the Spiritually Expressed Human or who have been with me through two name changes from the beginning, know that I love you immensely. I am so grateful that you're here. And all along, These changes were about me stepping in more, 100% authentically in in alignment to who I am overall and my work. Thus, we have finally hit the jackpot with the spiritually expressed human. So please go out and continue to be the spiritually expressed human and badass that you are meant to be. And if you're struggling to figure that out, come back next week where we'll go through more tools, tips, and strategies for your mind, body, and soul 
so you can truly be all that you are. I love you. Have an amazing week. Ciao for now. You've been listening to The Spiritually Expressed Human, where conformity is not an option. Getting out of the box is critical, and spiritually expressed means becoming the badass of your life while attaining freedom and inner peace. If you're ready to start that process, go to susandesenzi.com and click on the free gift tab to get started. You can also get the link in the show notes. Thank you for being here. And if you enjoyed the show, please take a moment to rate, review, and subscribe on your platform of choice. Until next time, be the spiritually expressed badass you are meant to be.